I could, this time just, you know, the, Christian just clapped for me to start the whole thing off. So I'm kind of yes. caught a little off guard. Right. Like, hey, <laughs> clap for me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, my name's Todd Nicewanger. Uh, this is Beyond Sunday. Really glad that you're, uh, that you're with us today. As you know, Beyond Sunday, our whole heart is to take just the amazing truths of God's Word, the, the ideals of it, but not just to leave it there. We believe that the best way to land these things is within the context of friendships and relationships inside of a local church, and specifically, our local church is Cornerstone. And so across from me is Christian Burkhart, also another one of the pastors here at Cornerstone. He's, he's in his normal chair mm-hmm. with his normal look. Are you disappointed you don't get to keep up on the game right now? Oh, it doesn't start for another couple of oh, hours. So thank goodness. Good. Okay. <laughs> so he's with us. And also today we have one of the elders of Cornerstone, one of our fellow elders, Dan Lovejoy. Uh, great. Cool. Good. This <laughs> yeah, will be so, fun. So he's he's with us today and uh, we're stoked because he's he's been able to preach through that next section of, of 2 Thessalonians mm-hmm. 3. So... What we've been doing is working through not only First Thessalonians, but we've been working through Second Thessalonians. Uh, last week, Mike brought us through just the, not only the prayer of Paul, we're moving out of the prayer of Paul, but how then he was asking others to pray for him. We looked at the faithfulness of God and building into that faithfulness and the steadfastness and the love of God is the section that now comes to Dan. And so, Dan, maybe just real quickly help us understand why why is this text so important? Why is it so valuable? Uh, what is the the kind of the, the big picture of what we need to get in order to be faithful followers of Jesus? Oh, well, good. Well, at least we've got a small task. Yeah, that's, no that's problem. Excellent. Yeah. Um, the way I read it, it seems like sec- that all of Second Thessalonians, Paul or uh, Paul is preparing. The Thessalonian church for these few verses that he's told them all these excellent things. And yet when he gets here, he's in correction mode. He's in, hey, we got to get this right. Which is huge because so much of the letter's been, you're awesome. You're doing a great job. I mean, it's been so massively encouraging. And so it's, it's almost sticks out like a sore thumb. Doesn't yeah, it? totally. And it's, I think it's foundational. I think it's not like, you know, he's buttering them up. I don't think that's the case, <laughs> but I think there is this level of encouragement that says, no, you've, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're, you followed the commands I've given you. And, and so now I, I need to tell you something you need to do. I kind of hinted at it in first Thessalonians a little bit and gave you some background on what I wanted you to do. But you've got some people around you that just, they're not working. Mm. And the problem with them not working isn't that they can't or isn't that there's some kind of impediment to them doing it. It's they've just flat out chosen not to. Mm. And and Paul backs up and just says, no, that that just doesn't hamper their ability to provide for themselves what it really messes up is the way the church displays the gospel. Amen. And so, and so Paul basically in this passage, and I think the thing that we need to really look at is what is my view of work? Am I really viewing it the way God views it? Hmm. And it's really easy to go down a lot of different paths on this, but Paul seems to pick one particular path. And the path he picks is, um, no, we're supposed to model the gospel well. And these people, by choosing not to work, aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's not only just bringing 
dishonor to them. It's bringing dishonor to the whole group and to the name of Christ. And so Paul spends a lot of time, or a lot of time, it's six verses, yeah. mm. you know, it's not that much time. But Paul spends time saying, look, I command you to watch, to be on guard for this. Watch for what's going on. And you need to now not just kind of cajole them into working. There's a point where we got to do something about this yeah. because they now, their, their choice of kind of sitting on the sidelines um, isn't just twiddling their thumbs. They're being active in kind of the demolition of the name of God, and that's not okay. And so, all the things that all the things that uh, that Paul knows that that he's taught them. I mean, the really interesting passage is Paul says. You know, I've already talked to you about this, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and now we've got to take it to the next level. And so, no, I think the thing we need to pick out from this is, yeah, we could we could spend a ton of time talking about a ton of different ways that work exists and what it looks like and how it either benefits or hampers the church and how it feeds stewardship and discipleship. I mean, there's a lot of paths we can go down, but... But I think the thing we really need to concentrate on is that what I think what Paul's really trying to say is, no, when the body of Christ is functioning well, it's a well-oiled machine. And you guys are putting sand in the gears, and that's not okay. Wow. Wow. Which oftentimes we don't think of like not working as maybe that big of a deal. But for Paul, no, this this really was important to him and their their display of Jesus into the world in which they were called to be, which is, again, it's a dynamic that we most of us don't think about, yeah. right? Well, we sometimes, in my mind, we seem to consider the fact that, okay, I'm going to work a little bit, but we forget why. Yeah. We forget for whom. Um, we forget that in our, we've created this weird thing of secular work and forgotten who we really are. And because we have, we've lost track of our identity. And once we do that, everything's up for grabs. All right. Well, that's where we're going. We're going to look at identity. We're going to look at work. We're going to look at why why we work, all those other things. But uh, so what we'll do next is we'll just we'll dive into the text today with Dan, and we'll try to pull out just those truths that we need to know kind of to help us walk through this. Okay, so in 3, 6 through 12, we've got these, like you said, these six verses. And what would you say, you, kind of in, in between break, you said there are, there's some interesting like, rhythms to this text. There's some, some repetitive aspects. What are some of the, what are some of the repetitive aspects that, that come, what, what are you saying? Usually I'm not the good math guy, but it's seven verses, isn't it? I don't know. He just said six verses. Okay, yeah. Well, six to 12, just subtract <laughs> Depends on if you're going to count the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I just corrected the accountant at math. And the I, math I, I, just, yeah. I just took my life in my own hands. <laughs> It was a gutsy move on your part. Yeah. Way to go. Well, on the other hand, the accountant is taking the pastoral role. So yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so what are some of those things though that like you were you were kind of talking about in between, just some some repetitive things that we see Paul mention in here? Well, if we limit ourselves to these verses, one of the things that Paul talks about is this he uses this phrase command. And he hasn't used that phrase really in the in the other two letters. Um, he's asked them to do things, but but here in here in in this passage and just before it, um, he's talking about the absolute command. It's not, hey, I'd kind of like you to do some things. So uh, 
Paul's strength in here on on this. <laughs> Can we go light? Recommendation <laughs> exactly isn't that? It's yeah. it's huge. It's a uh, and but one of the things that I absolutely love about it is all the way through whether he's talking about and we're going to talk about it a little bit, but it's a command really to people who are living the gospel out well and those who are not. But in all cases, he's always refers to them as brothers. Mm, yeah, He looks at how their behavior might be hampering or is hampering the work of ministry and the work of the broadcast of the gospel. But in every situation, he really looks at it and says, no, you are brothers. That's a big deal. Um, but still, the, the command part for me is huge because because he goes to such length and then repeats it over and over and over again. Yeah, and so. I was just looking at it. I mean, it's the, the word literally means to give an order, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? He's not just giving a suggestion here. He's giving a truly an order like that he wants followed within the church that, that is in Thessalonica. Yeah, the interesting thing, too, is that just about every time he says command, although not every, but just about when he says command, he always adds the phrase, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a hey, this is something I think you ought to do, or this is something I'm telling you to do. It's like, no, this this has your action that I'm commanding you to has larger implications. Yeah, so in verse 6, he says, I command you, and he says, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse down, verse 12, the repetitive nature. Right. He's talking to this group of people that are unruly. He says, we command you in the Lord Jesus Christ, which right. is, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, this command has this, the king's seal on it. Right? Yeah. This comes from the top. It's not Paul's right? order. Yeah. It's merely Paul passing along an order from from the king. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and so when and so I think to tie that when Paul says, "Look, there are certain things in our lives and in the life of Christ and even in God's creation that you need to imitate because imitation's another big thing in yeah, here." Yeah. And so when he says Look, these are this is a model I laid out that I want you to imitate. He's not just saying I just want you to copy me because he said that if, he said that in other letters which they don't have yet, which nobody has yet at this point. <laughs> um, but they've got a concept of no, no, no. God worked in creation, and Christ worked for well before his ministry and then beyond. But and then the so part of the question then becomes. What are we imitating? Mm. And and while we can talk about the concept of what work looks like and are we imitating it well or not, the point is I think Paul's trying to make is no, work is worthy of imitation. There is a there is a process that says if the if the Almighty God worked in creation, and if the rescuer provider of salvation worked and I'm working, then it seems to me that's something that could be modeled well Hmm. and probably something I should be modeling. Yeah. Yeah. And God designed us to work. Certainly seems like We were designed to work. You bet. Uh, The stinky part was, is that Genesis 3, it starts to not be fun to work, right? It it becomes a a labor by the sweat of your brow, the thorn in the thistle. There's there's a reality that work is twisted. It's almost like we talked about in the last podcast with Mike, the idea of there's obstacles to the work yeah. of the gospel, but the obstacles don't stop us. But like in the same way in Genesis 3, 
there's gonna be thorns and thistles. You're gonna work the ground by the sweat of your brow. Like there are going to be there's going to be obstacles and hindrances and waste and even conflict in the midst of work. But it doesn't stop the fact that work is good. It's not only good for us as humans, it's good for us as humans because this is a way in which we imitate the the character of God. Yeah, yeah well, societally, and, and even if you just take uh, society as a whole, but even if you take a look at the way that we as believers have grown up in, you know, I mean, we're in the U.S., we're in California, Southern California, and, and if you look at the way our culture observes work, mm-hmm. we don't, we look at it as hard, and so we concentrate on all the difficulty side that is the result of the fall and completely forget the God-given aspect, the the beauty of the created aspect of work. Mm. And we spend our whole time focusing on the wrong piece. Is it multifaceted? Sure. But, but the truth is we spend so much time thinking about, discussing, concentrating on, uh, I hate my job or my job is difficult or, you know, they're expecting me to do all this. And we spend all the con- we spend all of our time talking about the negative side mm. without ever saying, I get to work. I get the wonderful opportunity that God has given me. Or like, or it seems in that way, like the positive side is what the work gives me, not the work itself. It's I yes. work for the weekend. I work for a paycheck. I work so yeah, I can go on vacation. Boy. I work so I can pay for all my toys and things like that. Right. But it's. It's work is the necessary evil to get the things that I want versus a, a created good. Is that, is, am I articulating what you're driving at? No, there? I think you're exactly there. I, I, I think, you know, we, well, let me put it this way. We forget that work was God's idea. Hmm. Okay. And when we make it all about us, then what we end up focusing on is all the ways that it either helps us or hinders us. Yeah. And we completely lose the aspect of the fact that the creator had a plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that that plan from the outset was good. In my mind, that's one of the reasons that the fall was so difficult is because one of the, you know, Genesis one talks about God working Mm -hmm. the whole creative thing. It's it's, and God rested from his work, not from, you know, making beautiful flowers or all that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the writer's, used the word rested from work Mm -hmm. intentionally Mm -hmm. to show the beauty of it and the excellence of it. And when we as a society or as believers completely set aside the concept that no, the creator Mm. works, Mm. then it all becomes about us. And we start looking at, okay, what does it benefit me? Mm -hmm. Um, Versus the, to what you guys were talking about, the beauty is, is work is the way we display God. Mm -hmm. Right, it's the it's if we were image bearers and God worked and He created us to display Him well, work now isn't just merely a you know working for the weekend, working yeah. for things that I you know I'm trying to just obtain. Work actually is in and of itself a way of displaying who God is. Well, work. The interesting thing is, it's not just the creation that reflects God. It was the actual work that He did in the creation. Yeah. So. Yeah, so a lot of times we look at it and go, oh, those mountains reflect the glory of God. No, the fact that God took the time to create them. Oh, huh, yeah. So I, like, you're, it's not just the product, not just what we produce, the end goal of it, but even the the journey we take to get there, yeah, the, the, way that we, yeah. the way that we, I think that that's really powerful because I think I remember someone pointing out to me 
um, in one of my seminary classes in Genesis 2 when it says that God took the man that he made out of the dust of the earth and he put him in this garden to work it and keep it. That that pairing of the phrase there is the same words as to describe the, 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 the way that the priests would work and keep the tabernacle mm-hmm. of Israel. It, it frames all human endeavor, which at that point is tending a garden, yeah. as priestly service done in God's presence for the good of those around us. And I think to your point, if we'd reduce it to whether I want to work or don't want to work, what I get from it, and we lose the kind of that coram deo, that sense of we do this in the presence of God, the 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 priestliness of every type of work, mm-hmm. like, the, uh, 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 why wouldn't I just go, sweet, I'll kick back and someone else can do it, and I'll just reap the benefit of it, right? Because right. it does seem, at least in our passage here in Second Thessalonians, out of all of the fragmented brokenness of work and the way we go about it and the idolatrous, prideful reasons, and even the way we can work to do evil things, there's something in particular he's going after here, which is this kind of unruliness, right? Yeah. Uh, different translations have it, have it read, have it read differently. And, um, and in ESV, he says, you know, keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness. Mm. Um, which is completely different than taking a break hmm. or resting <laughs> or the concept of Sabbath. I mean, it's tough to look at a, a passage that's all about work and not remind ourselves about what Sabbath looks like, um, which we're obviously not going to do because that's a very that's a very deep and involved process. Go listen to the sermons Chris did. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Chris did. exactly. Yeah, you bet. Um, but but the but the ESV translates translates it at idle as idle. But other versions have translated the work as um, unruly or disorderly. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I think that's probably a better take okay. because idleness just it, – it brings to mind this concept of, no, I'm just on the couch playing a video game. It's, it's this idleness. And, and instead, if you start looking at – if you start looking at it as disorderly and unruly, you start to catch the concept that that I think Paul's really saying is, no, the church of God has an order, and these these people are working against it. You are out of order. You are wow. out of order. You are you are operating outside God's rule. You are therefore unruly. And so, um, and and the. There are some really hard parts of the passage, which basically say, look, you got to create some distance. Hmm. Now, I don't know if you want to go there yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I just think like to it, I think the thing you, you're laying out so importantly is like, why would Paul be so upset about this? Yeah. Right. Is that there was a created way in which God made humans. Mm-hmm. We're designed to work. We display him well when we work. And all of a sudden, a group of people had the audacity to say, no, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. Right. And they became not only disordered from the standpoint of you, you to your point, right? They threw sand in the gears. Yeah. It's that there was this real weird kind of way in which you were in defiance against God going, no, no, thanks. Yeah. I'm going to choose not to, which for Paul's like, whoa, that's not how we modeled for you to imitate. That is yeah. not what we did. Yeah. We did the opposite of what, yeah. what it was. And so in, in an interesting way, I think for people to know... Like this was a serious thing to look at, at the way God has created us and say, no, I'm going to live differently. And and it, and not just because oh, it's, it looks bad on those people who are idle. This affects the body as a whole. Like part of the purpose of having a, a podcast like this, the thing you keep repeating every week, is a sense of the truths of Scripture are meant to be worked out 
in a local church through like relationships with other believers. Mm-hmm. And I think the truth that he's communicating here about the the danger of idleness or unruliness is it's one thing if like we're sitting in a classroom and the teacher's giving a math test and you're staying focused and getting it done and she see the other kid who's watching the butterflies out the window. Well, it's okay. That's his grade. At least my, no, but it, instead of this is like a group project, <laughs> which I used to hate when I was right, <laughs> right, right. It's the you know it's the kid on the little uh, on the um, the little league field who's you know watching the the, the butterflies fly right from field. flower to flower, and it's like, but if the ball gets hit out there, we're all affected by it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the nature of these commands, at least at first, that comes to the faithful brothers within the church of saying. Here's why you don't leave these people hanging in their idleness, because not only does it leave them in a bad spot, it leaves y'all in a bad spot. Yeah, and it and it puts a terrible name on Christ yeah. from the standpoint of yeah. displaying him well. And so, okay, so that's the—oh, you have a thought. Well, I think, I, I think the big deal is that Paul here is really trying to, really trying to shake the tree. He's really trying mm-hmm. to get their attention. Because in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says— you know, I want you to just admonish the unruly. Mm. Okay, I want you to just talk to them, tell them they're out of line, kind of <laughs> bring them along. And what appears to have happened is they've gotten more stubborn. They've gotten more entrenched. If they weren't entrenched before, they are now. Mm. And they're abs- we've we've crossed a line into defiance. Mm. And I think that's really, in my mind, that's kind of where I think idleness doesn't really carry that. Um, there's an obstinate. There is. Yeah, it's I, not that somebody can't work right for maybe maybe there's an issue of uh, an ability or even the guy that's out trying hard to find a job oh, just can't find totally. a job, right? That's not what he's talking about here. Right. He's talking about somebody that can and should but has chosen to say, not going to do it. Yeah, explicitly And not only there. that, you all are going to provide for me. Yeah. Right. Explicit there in verse 10, he identifies that. If anyone is not willing to work. Yeah. That's the issue. That's the issue. Yeah. And and to that concept, then we need to make sure that we're not, how do I say this, throwing people under the bus. True. Because they've worked really hard at a job for 20 years. And as they look for new work, maybe they just need to take a month and just say, I got to get my head back together. I got to I got to put this together so I can be productive in my next task. And actually then for us to not help or even for them to feel guilty that the body comes alongside of them. Oh. It throws sand in the gears just as much, right? Yeah. Like we there's a way in which those willing to work but can't work now the body is supposed to care for them because that displays God's heart well to the world. There's, there's two sides of the bridge we can fall off on in this one. He's happened to deal with groups of right. people that are unwilling to work. Correct. Mm-hmm. There's other texts we find where, no, it's important sure. if, you, if you can't provide and you're seeking to provide, the church needs to be there. The good another. work of the church is to meet your needs. That's right. Yeah. So let us do that good work. Yeah. yeah, and not that we really want to go down that path, but there, it's also kind of incumbent on the one who needs that help. To kind of let us know that they need the help. I mean, that's one of the tough things. I, and not I, to be shamed by it. No. Because in a weird way, right? Like, you know, there's a there's actually a wrong disobedience there that keeps again the manifesting of God's fame, his glory, the name of Jesus being displayed because the church actually 
acts like the body that it is caring for the weaker parts, like First Corinthians 12, right. that we have to be able to do or we're not going to display Jesus well. Well, yeah. If I just say, yeah, I'm out of work and I'm supposed to be working and I get that and I'm all stressed out and I can't find what I need to find and, uh, and, and it's really frustrating and I'm going to own this all on my own, we'll talk about an expression of pride. Mm. I mean, to say, no, I need some help here. And, and I get that that's kind of not what Paul, where Paul's really going with this. But, um, but a lot of times when we, when we as believers hear the words command, work, command, work, command, work, we start thinking, oh, I, I got to get my act together or God is not going to be happy with me. And the truth is that there are times when, I mean, that's what Sabbath was all about. That's what Sabbath is all about, mm-hmm. is to say, no, there there is rest from work that's required. I modeled it for you. You need to pay attention to that. Absolutely. But in this case, I think, too, one of the things I think we um, we also, one of the other things that kind of jumps out through this passage is the concept of imitation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Did we talk about that already? Well, I, yeah, I do. I mean, I think because it's, it's in there. Paul, is, he's saying, look, I, I, I gave you an example. And he's, in fact, he says, our, we ourselves were your example on yeah. how this was supposed to be. You were supposed to follow yeah, both our of example. Work, both the example of work and the example of how to correct those who are unruly. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, that's, yeah. You see that in there, they, these two places in which he's going to talk about that. Yeah. And so I think like it's, it's interesting, though, like when you look at Paul's discussion of work and why he worked, especially like if you go back to 1 Corinthians yeah. mm-hmm. 9, right, is that there's this way in which in some cases he worked because he needed to to put Jesus on display by not taking money because he didn't right. want the Corinthians to think that somehow they were his patrons Correct. and that he needed to make a name for them. He was trying to make a name for Jesus. But in other cases, he says, no, we did take from certain people. Like he actually took from the Macedonians, mm-hmm. we right. find out in in, a, in an interesting way in different times, mm-hmm. that were actually much poorer than the, than the Corinthians because yeah. to take actually in that case was to put Jesus on display. Through the sacrificial generosity of the people. Right? Which right. would yeah. then, if he didn't take it, would actually not manifest right. being Jesus on display, but his his whole thing is though he still is saying I worked. Yes, I engaged. I was mm-hmm. a I was a leather worker, you know, tents, things like that yeah. that he engaged in. Yeah, and so he modeled it for them. Well, and I think one of the things he models as well, uh, he's he's uh, trying to charge the the believers in Thessalonica to say you have unruly among you, you have these disorderly, and their character quality is they want to take from you. So specifically, I'm not doing that. I have the right to, which is a path I don't really want to go down here, uh, although we could. Um, But we have, uh, I don't want to model taking because that's exactly what I'm trying to teach against. Mm. And so he makes a conscious choice here to say, no, 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 I'll work. I'll carry my own weight. Because that's what I want you to see, and that's what I want those who are being unruly to see as okay, well. Okay, so he gave one aspect of imitation, which is we showed you how work was supposed to look. Yep. Uh, we modeled it in front of you. We, you know, he says in there we paid for our own bread, things like that. Like he, I gave you an illustration, is what he said. But then there's this other side, though. We have to confront. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And mm. so here comes the confrontation into this particular text where you yep. can kind of see a clue of it back in verse six, this idea of keep away from any brother, right? He's yeah. walking in this this rebellion that, that he's yep. talking about, you know, whether we're talking idleness or or disorderly conduct and what they're doing. Yep. But then verse 10, he has this bold statement. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. Yeah. Okay, dude. So you're the one that studied this. And enlighten Christian and I so that we know how to confront people on, on this particular issue. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to start on the negative side. Okay. Uh, because one of the things we can often do is we can use this in all kinds of ways. Uh, we'll shortcut it in our own head to say, don't work, don't eat. And that creates in our mind, it gives us some some avenues to be judgmental and unforgiving. And it may... Uh, it may impact or inform our quality or concept of stewardship as we decide who do we give to and who do we not and who do we care for and who don't we, because we mistranslate it as don't work, don't eat. Well, interestingly enough, that's not what the passage says at all. It says if, if, if someone is not willing to work. Mm-hmm. So there's an intentionality here, and, and we can't lose track of that. But here's the real difficult part that they basically, it's been this concept where back earlier when he was there, he had the discussions, it appears. And then in First Thessalonians, he says, come on, you got to talk to him. And now he's saying these people are entrenched. They're hampering the work. Keep away from them. And if they come to you looking for help and they're still not willing to work, don't feed them. Mm-hmm. They don't get to participate in the beauty of the way the church cares for one another because they're not, uh, I don't know, can I say this? They're not worthy of being cared for. They're still, they're still God's creation. They're still image bearers. Here's the weird thing. They're still brothers, mm-hmm. and but they are out of line. And, and I think it's outside this realm, but we see it in the later in the later verses as Paul begins to wrap up the text. He says, no, they're still brothers. And our, jo- our goal here is not to just cut them loose and watch them starve on the corner. Our goal is to get them to come back and understand, no, here's how you're supposed to be participating. But the command is straight. It's, there's, <laughs> I'd love to tweak it and say, no, there's some way, well, he doesn't really mean be the, you know he doesn't really mean you can just not let him eat no 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 let's let's help him let's be nice guys and it's no 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 the gospel is being hampered as a matter of fact in 11 he calls them busybodies they're mm-hmm. they're in the way um and so no it's a flat out they aren't working they're that's their intention their choice Mm-hmm. They're blocking the spread of the gospel. They're blocking the operation. They're bringing shame on the name. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be part of this, and you don't need to encourage it. Yeah, what's interesting is what I'll get to in the, the kind of after we get after uh, Thomas preaches over um, VBS is he actually that idea of shame that he may be ashamed that he mm-hmm. lays out in verse fourteen. Mm-hmm is that this one who's bringing shame on the name of Jesus, let him feel the shame. Yes. Yeah. Like, let him, this shame of, of you were designed by God to work. The Spirit of God should invigorate that within you if you know Jesus to work. 
And by not working, you're not only now having a shame being brought to bear upon the name of Jesus, but let him live in the shame almost like the way I look at it in some ways, the way I'm kind of processing it as I get ready to preach, is let him be the prodigal. Like mm-hmm. truly let him be yeah. the one sitting there with the pigs eating the, the you know, the, 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 the refuse that's being thrown out yeah. to the pigs. Let him experience that shame. But I think, again, I, I think this is where the prodigal story is important. I think the hope is is so that this this brother will return, right? Yes. It's not it's not just so that we can put him out there and make him feel stupid and but it's too is that means of going like the prodigal went, oh, it would be better. Yeah. To see their need to, to Yeah, be totally. And and my and the thing that keeps resonating in my head is Paul always calls them brothers. Mm-hmm. He always calls them back to that. No, these are these are still family yeah the the prodigal was still a son and there's a there's a good part even because the the point of keep away from them and then have nothing to do with him so that he may be ashamed there is that sense help him feel help him reckon with the shamefulness of his conduct but also in that creates in that way create separation between that shameful conduct and And the faithful conduct of the rest of the family so that we both in his eyes in the church's eyes in the watching community's eyes you see the distinction between this is this is the character of Jesus on display, and this is not. Yeah, and if he does return, this is the character of Jesus still, yeah, right? R- r- the, yeah. the, the, the bringing one back in is, yes, yeah. is still, that's the character and heart of Jesus. It's yeah. on both sides of it. Yeah, totally. The, the difficult part is that he's asking um, the command, really, to uh, several of the commands here are for the ones who are actually following and living out the gospel well. Yeah. This is hard. This is a hard thing to do is to look at somebody and go, yeah, I, I have to do this mm-hmm. because you're dishonoring the name. And to, and to be in a position of humility, humble enough to say, yeah, we got to go down this path is hard. And I think that's why Paul tells them how excellent it is and how excellently they've done. And it's, and it's hard, but it's necessary because just as foolish as it is for the one who is able to work to be unwilling to work, it is equally foolish for the church to then invest their limited resources in one who will waste it. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's that part of to not compound the foolishness of it, not join in the... So there really is, there's there's two sides to the stewardship of this. This the the The, the unruly person is being irresponsible with their God-given ability and calling to work. Mm -hmm. And it is essential that the body, that the church, not join in that irresponsibility. And it's just as irresponsible to coddle that. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's, oh my gosh, that's the text. Now let's figure out, let's, let's, let's dive in for a little bit and just figure out what are some ways maybe we can, we can land this in the context and inside a cornerstone. All right, so let's uh, let's let's land this a little bit, and I think like one of the things that we were talking in kind of in our break that is just this area of confrontation mm. that is not maybe our 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 maybe not only a de- not a desire oftentimes to want to do this. One. This is your first thing you wake up in the morning going, "Hey, yeah, I hope sick. I get the front p- confront people." There's something off there, <laughs> but I think there is something. Yeah. There's something so special about yeah. what Paul's saying here that this confrontation. It's bigger than just somebody that's made me upset because they're not pulling their, you know, they're not pulling their weight on the team and this stinks and they're right. There's something bigger here in this confrontation than just you've made me mad or upset. Yep. 
there's something at stake here that Paul's talking about. And maybe just for a second, why don't you kind of shove us off a little bit and help us understand, like, what is the confrontation he's talking about here that we need to practice as a, as a church? Well, I think uh, the bigger, for me, the, the, the thing that stands out here is his commands and encouragement are all to the ones who are working. They're, they're living out the gospel well. And he spends a ton of this passage encouraging them to confront. Yeah. And he spends all that time because it's not something we want to do. And the difficulty is that we, a lot of times we want to confront, but that's just because somebody's doing what something we don't like. And we're, you know, if you want to go back to the, you know, I'm going to kind of talk to somebody who's got a, a, a toothpick in their eye because I got a log in mine. I mean, we can go down that whole path, mm. but what you're really looking at is what you're really looking at is no, I, he's trying to encourage them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to have the right motivation in confrontation, which means there's a whole prep thing that's got to go in. Why, what are they doing? Are they really in my way? Um, are they really hampering the work of Christ? But to me, it seems it's totally obvious. This yeah. is something wrong. And, and Paul tells him it's obvious. Paul, well, <laughs> yeah, the the issue is that though in in our particular context, it might not be. And so there may be uh, and that's one of the things there's got to be some relationship here to figure out what's going on. I can't just cold call somebody and go, "Hey, you're out of line. You're not working and you don't even want to." Uh, no, there's a process where I've got to understand what's going on in their life. Is this one where I need to come alongside him and and work it? But the but we cannot we cannot be afraid of confrontation. Well, I think what you said that's so interesting there is actually it seems like for us as cornerstone, it's taking the time to understand what actually needs to be confronted. Yeah. Right. Like in other words, there it could be what needs to be confronted is that they they are willing to work, but they're ashamed because they can't get work. Well, mm-hmm. that's a completely different issue totally different than somebody problem. that's looking at you going, you know, I just don't even care. I don't even, I just don't even want to work. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's, it's taking the time to actually understand the issue, which from what we can tell here, Paul had at least had a year to understand the issue mm-hmm. so that he could actually do the confrontation. I mean, and again, in the very next verse after this, he talks about this idea of Growing weary mm-hmm. and doing good. Sometimes right. is, is this person just at a place where the wind's been taken out of their sails and they need encouragement and rejuvenation? Do they need Sabbath so that they might be rejuvenated for a while? Well, part of it too is is if you're looking at somebody who's who's doing will doing well in the will of God, and they're working and they're trying to and as best they can, they're trying to you know maybe hint at the brother who's not doing the right thing, and they're trying to kind of come along. But that's just an exhausting process, mm-hmm. and they've been, and what little resources they have, they're being drained from. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's back to to. Then I was just kind of looking at it back to First Thessalonians five fourteen. We right. urge you, brothers, right, admonish the disorderly, the idle, yes. mm-hmm. and you know what it is. But making sure though, there's another group of people, encourage the faint-hearted. Yes. Yes. Help. The weak, be patient with them mm-hmm. all, right? Like, in other words, confrontation. I feel like sometimes confrontation is you've really got it under my skin. You're annoying me. Right. And we're not even understanding the issue. We're just annoyed. Mm-hmm. And, yep. Right. You just, you've made mm-hmm. my day kind of stinky. And so, therefore, I'm going to make, I need to confront you on it versus like understanding the actual reality of what's going on. Is this actually something where they're in sin, willfully in sin? 
are they just faint-hearted? Are they just are they weak? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, but I don't have that kind of time. I just need to get this. I just need to get this confrontation done and move on with all the other stuff I got to do. I don't want to invest in the person. I don't have that. I I got a billion other things to do. Why do I want to invest in this I relationship? I need to fix the problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm male. What can I tell you? Fix this thing. <laughs> I don't want to hear what your problem is. I just want to get it right. Yeah. And that's where we go to in confrontation and what. And I think what Paul's really saying through both the passage in in First Thessalonians and, and here, I think he's really saying, no, they're brothers. You yeah. love them, you care for them, and this is the best way you can care for them is a confrontation. But if we find out they're the disorderly, the idol, mm-hmm. he says admonish. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right, absolutely. And that's I don't not coddle just you there. Yeah. no, and that's a, that, that's a non-coddle word. Yeah. That's a hey, I need to, I need to. I need to kind of get up in your grill here a little bit. Yeah. Which is, a, which is again, now that we've understood the issue, yeah. we understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Paul says, I need you to step into the gap on that. Now, the, 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 this disorderliness, like how, how, do you, how do you, when you notice, okay, so you finally get there, Dan. You finally notice that, let's pick on Christian. Hmm. Christian is the oh, one good. disorderly. because okay. cool. Oh, well, obviously, <laughs> I'm not. So Christian is disorderly. How does confrontation take place? Um, I think confrontation is, uh, I think there's a, uh, the way any confrontation takes place. Um, it's the, it's the prep, the heart, it's the work of the Holy spirit. It's, it's praying about the situation all the way through way before all the way through during. But I think at some point it's just the, it can't be the first conversation. It's got to be conversation number two or number three or number 11, mm. um, where you find, where you look at somebody and go, you know, you've laid out all of these things and it looks to me like you don't even want to work anymore. I don't know what triggered this in the first place, but what I see is you just have no desire. Now, Let's see if we can identify what that is, because maybe you actually have desire. You've just suppressed it or you're in this state of depression and maybe we need to deal with counseling. Maybe there's something else going on here that's caused some of this. But the truth is we've got to figure out why you are unwilling to work. And and Paul's very clear when he says walking in. This isn't just something that's. This has now almost become a character quality of theirs, mm, yeah, and they're good. identified by it. And if that's the case, then, yeah, to use your phrase, yeah, it's time to get up in the grill. It's time to be the bug on the windshield and just say, look, I'm intentionally causing you trouble because you are causing trouble to the rest of the body. And in my mind, most confrontation has to exist because we have blinders on on our own lives and that's why i think that's why i think it has to happen and that's why i I, I keep going back to this i've said it i don't know like 38 times today it's the concept of brothers it's no no no. they are family we are together in this and so um confronting once you once you understand that that they theoretically have the same goals you have then you can identify with them where they're dropping the ball, where that where that is happening, and where they're blind to it. Now they get to the point though where it says in here, right? He says if they're unwilling to work, 
I think one of the hardest parts about confrontation is to then let somebody live with the consequences yeah. of their oh, yeah. willingness, right? You bet. And I think like sometimes we feel it's unkind, it's it's not nice, right? Yep. But in an interesting way, Paul seems to say, no, this is actually the greatest thing you can do for them yeah. in this moment is to actually have the outcome of of yeah. your decision. Yeah. Well, it if you preach or if you consider a one-faceted gospel of God is love, then all of the justice and everything else goes out the window. And and you begin to lose the concept that no, there are there are things we need to be doing to reflect that love properly, to reflect the whole character of God, all the pieces. And when somebody's hurting or in need or asking for help, we tend to become very myopic on on that mm. picture of God, as opposed to saying, no, all the aspects of God need to come into play here, including this this justice, this this thing that says, no, shame, yeah, uh, we've got to deal with this. And a lot of times we just flat out don't want to do that. It's hard. It's time consuming. And then I guess the question becomes, now who's the unruly one? Mm -hmm. <laughs> now who's the one who's yeah, not doing what they're supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, yeah because, because if I've now decided that the disorder, that, that I don't feel like confronting the disorderly one, well, guess what I am now? Now I'm the one who's not operating under the rules. Now not I'm the unruly to do the good one. Work. Not exactly. to do the good work that God's called you to and do. Now yeah. I'm unruly. Now I'm unruly. So now I've got now I've got a bigger problem. So And that's when in a weird way where the helping the unruly in a weird way not only hurts them, it hurts you, it hurts the church family. Yeah. It 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 continues to allow disorder to happen inside of Jesus's family. Well, even worse, the unruliness of those who chose to be unruly is now being propagated uh, through the rest. It's, wow. it's, 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 it's carrying out like a, like an infection mm. except it doesn't carry the same look, but it carries the same result. I just had an image in my head of the movie Wally -E and everyone on the big spaceship and they're like, hover wheelchairs because no, everyone's forgotten how to everywhere. walk because yeah. of the convenience that everything could just be brought to them. And it's right. like, oh, wow, that we don't want to propagate idleness by our unwillingness to call out and correct idleness. Yeah. Dang. One of my kids' favorite movies. Yeah. I know, right? I know. See, and you went Disney. I was going to like... Uh contagion or something oh, right? yeah. spreading viral thing <laughs> okay so let me let me i'm gonna take a, a, a kind of a hard left-hand turn here and talk about work now i think oh, like yeah. i think like in some ways we we talked about it a little bit but maybe how do, how do you see us as church as a church needing to talk about work right because it's paul seems to be really highlighting the goodness of work the mm -hmm. the and, and to not do so is actually an evil thing. So, like, how, how should we as a church approach the concept of work? Well, I find it humorous almost that Paul, in his, de in his desire for the correction, doesn't spend a lot of time defining what good work looks like. Mm -hmm. He just says, hey, you know what good work looks like, I've and they're in your you. way. I modeled it for you. Well, what did he model? What did he actually do? Well, what he really, what he really reflected was the concept that he wasn't working for them. 
He was and he wasn't just working for himself to provide needs because he was in full recognition of the fact that his primary job was not leather worker or tent maker. It wasn't that. His primary job was as an image bearer was to put God on display. And the leather making was simply or leather working was simply a context mm -hmm. in which he in which he lived that out. And so when I go to work as an accountant and I sit down and I say, okay, I've got to figure out these, I've got to figure out these transactions and how in the world is this new law going to work in and all this kind of stuff. If I just go straight to that, then it's all about me and I've totally lost it. But if I, but if I stop and say, you know what, God, this is where you've put me. What does it look like to put you on display well here? And sometimes it's, okay, this, I am never going to be able to bill for this work. I am never going to be able to get everything that needs to be done done because they need help or assistance more than anything else. But that filter has to start with what has God called us to. So if we, so if we see that our vocation, our actual vocation is to be a, an image bearer and a displayer of God, then all the things we do, whether I'm father or husband or elder or preacher or whatever it is, all of those individual contexts are simply how I live out what my real job is. And I think that's why God looks at those who he's called to himself as well done, good and faithful servant because they've lived out what their job was. Their job was to reflect him well, and that's that's what he calls them to. I mean, that's we look at it and we say, okay, am I really, what am I thinking? What does he mean when he says that? It's not just about employment or not. No, it's the, was I actually representative of him in and do what he called me to do? Yeah, and I think what you said there is key, that like it's not just when I'm on the clock. Like, and sometimes we can have this work-life balance we talk about where oh, there's certain wow. parts of life that it's work, and then there's other parts of life that's life. No, all of life is life, <laughs> and all of work is work. So when I'm sitting at the, or I'm standing at the kitchen counter cleaning up the dinner dishes, what I'm seeking to do is reorder the messiness of the dishes in the sink. That is a good work that I'm modeling my father, who is one who brings order out of chaos, right? Oh, cool. I'm, I am... Sitting for a second with soap all over my hands, contemplating the fact that there is a God likeness to the work that I'm doing right now. Well, and, and the servant and the servant process where you get to serve the other yes. members of my of the family who might have had that chore in the first place. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 I think about like the, in our in our family, like uh, uh, my wife's had the opportunity to stay home and school our kids through like their elementary years. And even just that that watching my wife teach each of our four kids now how to read. There's a wonder to that. And just stop and like, even sometimes encourage her with that. Like the God who originated communication, who spoke the world into existence, the power that words have to connect. And you yeah. are giving our kids the raw skills so that they can join in the communication of the human race and understand God's communication to us. Like stop for a second when you're reading Hop on Pop or something like that and go, there is something beautiful and grand going on here. Well, and we lose that concept because we've, because we just say, oh, I've got to teach the kids to read. 
we we become so task oriented in yeah. work we forget the we forget the bigger picture of who are we working for yeah 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 man all right well well, the other part of that, and I, I know you're trying to shut me down. Well, Robin's so, trying to shut me down. Yeah, well, that's kind of the way it all. Well, but she does a good job. Yeah. Um, it, there's this whole concept of the fact that, to your point, I look at my job as a job mm. and not as something that's God involved. Mm. And one of our biggest issues is the distinction between, and I, I feel like I can't get out of here without saying it, is the difference between secular and and uh, sacred. and sacred, because we we've created this artificial distinction, and I think it's one of the things that says, "Oh, you guys have sacred work mm -hmm. because you are you are paid shepherds." While holy I, on the other cloth, yeah. holy men, yeah, that's right, vicars, that's right. There you go. <laughs> All yeah. the other awkward words. The right <laughs> reverend, yeah, there it is. And so, but me as a CPA, I'm just an accountant. So this, by definition, has to be secular work. And we create this weird dichotomy where, you know, I'm not really good at, at, at sacred work, and you guys are horrible at secular work. <laughs> well, okay, not really, but... Inexperienced, but, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the point being... The point being that we create these artificial dichotomies, and as soon as we do that, we start creating class structures, mm. you know, and we even do it in secular work. We create class structures in secular work. Like white collar, blue collar. Oh, summer. gosh, wow. skilled versus unskilled. And, oh, my gosh, I, I've got some woodwork that uh, that is is absolutely amazing, and I'd love to show you pictures of it. But But you cannot look at that and say, okay, first of all, God did not create the mind that came up with it, hmm. okay? And the work of the hands, that's unskilled. There's no way you can get there. You just can't. You can't, so. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a side of where, like, if anybody wants to, like, reading the Puritans, actually, if you, if you want to go back and understand how they looked at it, they saw every last vocation within a local town mm -hmm. as sacred. Yeah. They saw it as a, a means of displaying God. They saw it as a means of causing the town and the community to flourish. They they didn't see that that dichotomy that we see. And I think that, you know, comes from kind of ancient Greek thought where you split apart this idea right. of the thinkers mm -hmm. versus the doers and yep. all those different things that yep. the Hebrew mind never really saw. Right. But I think what's so cool about it for us as a local church is that we don't have to now go looking for this panacea job, this mm -hmm. perfect job that's out there that's no. going to fulfill me and bring all my wonderful, you know. And again, I'm not saying don't go pursue what you believe God's called you to do. But, yeah, but I'm looking for fulfillment in the wrong spot. But the fulfillment is not found in the job. The fulfillment is found in displaying Jesus. Absolutely. In work. And that's where I love, again, the way that Paul ends Second Thessalonians chapter 2. May now may the our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every, every good, good work, work and, and word. word. Yeah, every good work. And I think when we start there, even just as God's people, around the idea of the goodness of all work yep. done in the presence of God. That becomes the rallying point where, okay, now we can confront where we need to, because if we all agree the goodness, the glorious purpose that God has in creating us as workers, okay, now what, what's standing in the way of that yeah. in your life right now? And to, not, and to do everything you can to help them eliminate 
right what is keeping them from truly joining Jesus, displaying God and who they are, right? Like to do anything less would be detrimental to them. But if you see the good and you say, yes, even right now, even if I'm not actively doing it, if I can at least just start by acknowledging, yes, that is good. Okay, cool. Now, how do we as brothers and sisters take the steps we need to, to move toward that good that we see together. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I think relationship comes into play because I need to watch what you're doing. I need to see what you're doing. You can tell me about it all day long, Yeah, but I need to, I kind of need to be in your life to say, yeah, you, you've got part of it, but. All right. Now I'm going to close this. Got to close this. (laughs) Got to close it somehow, sometime. Well, thank you so much for, for being with us today. Like seriously, I mean, this passage there, we were talking about in sermon prep, there are so many other avenues you can go down and look at this. But I think like the beauty of it is, is, is there's this ideal that as we look at it, God has created us to work. And when we don't live out this ideal to which he's called us, we're to confront But in that confrontation, even still, is that we might be the people God intends us to be, that we truly might live in such a way that we put God on display. So my prayer is out of those relationships that you have inside of Cornerstone, oh, Cornerstone, would you enjoy helping one another to live as God has created you to live so that we might put King Jesus on display as we are. So God bless y'all, and we'll see you later. Bye.